Hey friends, welcome back to the journal feed. My name is Nick Zelt, and this is the only place to get spoon-fed the latest and greatest of emergency medicine. We want to keep you guys up on the literature, and to do that, we are willing to spoon-feed it to you. We take recent journal articles, we summarize them for you so that you get the best out of recent literature, and you can go out there and practice the best for your patients as well. Okay, let's take a quick look ahead at everything that we'll be covering. First off, the Select 2 RCT. We know you want a thrombectomy. After that, crowding and its effect in pediatric emergency departments. Followed by, we review the literature on thoracic aortic dissection treatment. Then, your favorite two viruses, flu and COVID. Let's do a comparison and to wrap it all up, a primer on pediatric intubations. Now, if you are hearing this right now, then you are not currently a Journal Feed subscriber, and so you will not be receiving the full Journal Feed podcast, only a portion of the past week's summaries. Don't worry, they're all good articles. But if you would like to get full access to both the podcast and the blog, then you will have to become a member for a small fee. All the details for that are at journalfeed.org. And remember that we don't ever want money to be a barrier to better patient care. So if you're having any trouble affording a subscription, please just reach out and we'll get in touch. Now, this is the audio version of the past week summaries, which this week were brought to you by Jason Lesnick, Gabby Leonard, Megan Hilbert, John Kurducki, and Clay Smith. All right, so let's jump to the third article. Titled, Management of Thoracic Aortic Dissection out of the JAMA. Now, we're not going to talk about the presentation or recognition of thoracic aortic dissections. We're going to focus on the management. Here are some updated recommendations from the American Association of Thoracic Surgery and the Society for Thoracic Surgery. Why is everything always an association or a society? I feel like we have so many more cool words to use. I feel like we need more leagues, you know, the league for thoracic surgery. Sounds great. Collaborative, that would also be good. Alliance, confederation, union, guild. Come on, people. We can do better naming things. We have so many good options. Keep that in mind next time you're naming your, you know, working group. Anyways, back to the topic. All these recommendations have at least a moderate strength of evidence. Let's start with type A dissections. By way of treatments that you can provide, it's mostly beta blockers and pain control. But don't minimize your role. Treating with beta blockers decreases mortality by half for those who get their repairs done. Repair is very important here, decreasing mortality by several fold, lowering in-hospital mortality from nearly 60% down to 20%. So get your cardiac surgeons on the phone pronto. Where surgery is done is also very important. Being operated on in a high-volume center has a 7% absolute mortality risk reduction despite the delays due to hospital transport. Though I can say I would not want to be the physician in that ambulance during that transport. Something goes wrong with your aorta, uh, not much you can do. Now, onto type B dissections. As a reminder, these are dissections that only involve the descending aorta. First things first will be medical management for type B dissections as well, here with alpha and beta blockers. The goal here is to reduce shear stress by reducing how many heartbeats there are, and then you want to reduce how much force is behind each heartbeat, so you want a lower pressure and a lower heart rate. The next step will be evaluating for if it's a complicated dissection, like one that involves a thoracic aortic aneurysm, or if there's a dissection which originates proximally, so it's not really a type B dissection, or if there's organ malperfusion. 
Any of these would necessitate endovascular aortic repair by your vascular surgeons, which reduces 30-day and 5-year mortality rates. And that's, that's mostly it. In a spoonful, what you do for these aortic dissection patients actually matters. You should aggressively use anti-adrenergic medications, and this is vital. And then the fourth article, titled Life-Threatening Complications of Influenza versus Coronavirus Disease 2019, COVID-19, in U.S. Children, out of the journal Clinical Infectious Diseases. Now, finally, this is the comparison that we've all been making since 2020, comparing COVID with the flu. Flu, this, COVID, that, but how are the two actually different and how are they similar? Now, we've had a little bit of time in order to digest things so we can actually make worthwhile comparisons now. In this case, focusing on pediatric cases. This isn't just fun to say and make the comparisons. This is actually important because we need to know what to expect, who to test more aggressively, and who really, really needs to be vaccinated, even though everyone should be vaccinated. This cohort study wanted to identify differences in demographics and life-threatening complications in severe COVID-19 and influenza pediatric patients. To be included as having critical acute respiratory illness, the patients had to be admitted to the ICU with at least one sign of systemic illness, be it fever or elevated CRP, what have you, and one sign of respiratory illness. Something worth mentioning is that the cohort of COVID cases included were from late 2020, so these would not be vaccinated children. Take this all with a grain of salt now because we know that vaccines are effective at reducing severe disease and many children are now vaccinated. Though, despite availability of the vaccine, only 39% of the cohort was vaccinated against the flu. Here's what they found. The COVID patients tended to be older, around 14 years old, compared to flu patients who are closer to 5 years COVID patients were also more likely to be black, Hispanic, obese, and have at least one underlying medical condition. COVID patients had longer lengths of stay in the hospital and in the ICU. Both COVID and flu had similar rates of mechanical ventilation, vasopressor use, and death. Now, this is all very interesting, but it's hard to say what a more recent comparison would show now that we have vaccines. We have more experience as well, and the variants of COVID have changed. In a spoonful, this kind of validates some of the comparisons that we've all been making since 2020, comparing our two favorite viruses. COVID does seem to be worse than the flu, though. So, let's do our wrap-up. Let's talk about everything that we covered from this week. From the third article, Be Aggressive with Medical Management of Aortic Dissection Patients. It can really honestly reduce mortality. Then, from the fourth article, Early Days 2020, Severe COVID was seen more in older children, black and Hispanic children, and in the obese or with more medical conditions. Links to all the articles that we've summarized can be found at journalfeed.org, where the newsletter is the best way to make the podcast into a bite-sized nugget of space repetition. Now, if you feel like you're missing out a little bit, you'd like to hear more podcasts, or like to get access to the blog, then you'll have to join us in the members feed. Our goal here is for you to read less, learn more, and then hopefully save lives, one spoonful at a time. Thank you.